Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And today we are joined once again by the one and only Dr. Lena Patel, who is not only a wealth of knowledge when it comes to social stories, but also dun, 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 potty training. Woo! She recently <laughs> co-authored the book, Potty Training for Kids with Down Syndrome, Lose the Diapers, Not Your Patients. We are so excited to learn from her all about potty training our kiddos. Thank you for joining us, friends, and welcome to the Lucky View Podcast. Right, friends. So potty training. This was a great interview. She's She's so good. She's great. She's so great. We'll have to have her on for I have so many things I want to talk to her about. So we'll have her back on. But (laughs) potty training, I've shared this before on the podcast, and maybe I even talked to Dr. Patel about this. And I just had such PTSD with Macy potty training. It was so hard. It was so hard. Yeah. And how you did training? talk to Dr. Patel about it. I did you talk did. to her about yeah. it because I talk about it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's such a thing, the Down syndrome community. I remember knowing we were going to bring Mason home and hearing like kids with Down syndrome are never potty trained by the time they're five. Like everyone goes to kindergarten and diapers. Yeah. I thought that will not be my kid, totally. which it's not a big deal if your kid goes to kindergarten and diapers. It's just not or a big deal. Or first grade, hands up. First grade or their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Wearing I diapers know. versus undies is not equate one's value and the space they deserve in this world. Right. Right? That's right. It is interesting though, because it is such a thing. We have so many, I feel like we have so many goals when our kids are little and then those goals are kind of layered, right? So walking's like a big goal that seems Mm -hmm. important and also in a way holds the weight of maybe like how capable or intelligent they are in a way. And I feel like potty training is another one of those little itty bitty pieces within the, I'll just say down syndrome world, you know, like, okay, they're they're smart. They get it. Maybe, you know? Yep. I do. And I've talked about this before. I feel like there is a hierarchy Mm -hmm. in the down syndrome community Mm -hmm. and that we are, um, we've all kind of accepted that our children have down syndrome. Right. And so then the competition starts inside our bubble Yeah, and I can be at, at down syndrome events. And if I'm not prepared, I can (laughs) really get in my head about, about ACE and, and start to feel less than, or start to Mm -hmm. feel worried or start to feel, you know, like, uh, the amount of times that, uh, someone has shared with me how their kid just, they, they were potty trained by the time they were three mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, reading just like every other kid in kindergarten or, you know, whatever it yes. is, but there's like, you're right, Mercedes, there's these little things that we use as our measurements within our community so that yeah. we know who the winners are. Oh my gosh. Cause we're all, I, I like was that. chuckling. I know me either, but then in my natural seven state, I was chuckling because I thought of us all as cheer moms. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) At down syndrome events. But have you seen my kiddo? (laughs) We can't help but be a little bit like cheer moms. Um, it's true. Like I, even for sunflower, I, I was like, Oh, she is on the track 
to just potty train. She was my first. And you know how you're eager when it's your first kiddo. All you have are benchmarks to go off of no other like child that you've raised to like go off and be like chill about. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, she walked by the time she was two, like, look at her. She's running. She's got this. I didn't factor in her personality. (laughs) 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 It's like how she's a self starter. She's self-taught and nobody's going to move that, you know, we can try Mm -hmm. and like encourage it, but no girl was like, it took, I potty trained Rhodes. I potty trained Shepard. I'm like, surely, <laughs> surely my, it should be your turn. Sunflower. I'm having <laughs> another baby, please. You have women poop. I cannot anymore. Right. Yes. Like she was five, almost six. The girl was for sure in kindergarten. <laughs> she was in kindergarten. Homeschooled or not. It was somewhere around the kindergarten. <laughs> she was still in a pull-up and it was tough. I was so, I was so bummed for her. I was like, you could do this. And, um, I don't know. And she's now she's potty trained and I don't even look back. Yeah. It's just a number now. It didn't yeah. change anything. We still did all the things just with maybe poop or pee in her pants. I don't know. Yep. (laughs) Well, I feel, I feel grateful that I had, um, August 1st, my, like my son, August, because he was so the same as sunflower. Like he's like, I do this at my own pace and you don't rush me and any attempts to rush me, just rush him, just hurt our relationship. (laughs) And it took me a long time to come to that. Like I got to let him go his own way and just support him. And so by the time Ace came around, I was like, dude, we're not, I'm not going to make you cry. Like, let's just yes. do this when you're ready. And, yeah. and so we're still going. And I know like, you know, whether your kid has Down syndrome or is typical or whatever it is, or is just like stubborn and anxious, like you just got to do it at their own pace. And it says nothing about their value, nothing right. about their like capability to learn other things it's just a body and it's a function right. and we learn it when we can learn it. Yeah. What about those parents who te- who teach it from, um, Infancy. when their child's a newborn <laughs> elimination <laughs> communication, that's what it's called. <laughs> I feel like the three of us are going to bag on it, but we're not meaning to, if that's what you're doing, we're here for you for that. <laughs> we're here for you. I do it's think it's a bitterness. little overachieving. I wouldn't put that on my plate, but I really am proud if you can. That's awesome. I, yeah, I want to know if any of our listeners with their child with Down syndrome did this yeah, elimination oh, yeah. communication. And I wish I actually could have asked Dr. Patel about this. Um, yes. oh, <laughs> and she would have giggled. <laughs> <laughs> Bless your heart, honey. Oh my gosh. Well, listen here. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Heather. for people who don't know what it is, it's basically like it. Okay. I had friends who did this and it, yep. there is something that makes sense about it. Like we, our kids are trained to pee in a diaper. Right. And so if we yeah. follow their cues from when they're real little and we put them on the toilet from the beginning, like you learn their, their cues. And then by like six, seven, eight months they're potty trained because they have learned, we've learned their cues. We've given them the opportunity to go on a toilet instead of in a diaper, instead of learning how to be dependent on a diaper and then having to unlearn that. Yeah. So there's something that, that I get. And I also yeah. am like, Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Like I, <laughs> I'm like, if you're trying to nurse 
still, if you're trying to like do, I know, yeah. eat, if you have any like, other make children a meal for your family, sleep. I mean, you're just like, trying to even walk sleep. across the room. Like, what am I doing here? Well, my yeah. amazing Meemaw, rest in peace, Meemaw. Meemaw. I love you. Love you. She was adamant that she made this up. She, <laughs> she was that like, she made was the creator of I created it. Yeah. Started and here. She was telling, like, she tried to tell my mom, my poor mom, this is her mother in law. She, when we oh, were kids, oh, she tried wow. to be like, you get them on the potty when they're six months. Of course, my mom was like, I'm not listening to you. And then I was, <laughs> when I had kids, she was trying to convince me, um, maybe I should have listened to Mima. Maybe so. She had three maybe kids so. under the age of three. Um, like they were literally a year apart each. And she put those babies on the toilet when they were six months old. I don't there know. So wild. So but, you guys, this reminded me, I have not thought about this in years and years. So Macy when she was a baby, so I'm going to say like she was seven months old and I put her in the bath one day and she pooped in the bath and I'd heard about that, right? You hear about mm-hmm. your kid pooping in the bath. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is real. Oh my gosh, this just happened to us. I like had this moment of this is horrible. And then you have to like bleach it. It's a, it's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it happened that then I put her in the bath the next time and like same time of day. And I could tell she needed to poop. So I put her on the pot and she pooped on the toilet. Like I put her booty <gasps> over the toilet and then she started doing this. I, I did the elimination. What's it called? <gasps> Elimination constipation. <laughs> it's all called that. <laughs> communication. <laughs> Elimination <laughs> communication. So I, so Macy, I remember people being like, whoa, she's potty trained at like 10 months old or 11 months old. I'm like, no, hundred percent. She's not. I just, I just no. started putting her on the toilet to <laughs> before she went in the bath. I just eliminated, trained her. What's it called again? We eliminated. <laughs> communication. We just had elimination communication, but then she was, well, she was close to four when she like it clicked for her and was totally potty trained, but she wasn't pooping in her diapers. I totally forgot about all this. You guys, that was so long ago. And we switched to cloth diapers because it was maybe once a week she'd poop in her diaper, maybe because she started going on the potty. Like that is so funny. Wild. Yes. But I don't have any tips or tricks. I just mm. it just, just happened know, to us. Know the time. I know, but I love what like I think it's important what you were saying, Micah, about um like this hierarchy within the Down syndrome space. And I think we need a whole episode on this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because it's not helpful and it's not true. Um yeah. it's not helpful for our, our individuals, like mama hearts, for our individual children with Down syndrome and for our community at large, that there's like a better way to have Down syndrome. It's yep. just not true. And that, and toileting is such a huge piece of that, like you yeah. were saying. And so I just need the moms to hear, like, if your kid is, I don't care how old they are, if they're not potty trained yet, it doesn't mean that they can't be. And it's also is not what makes them have value or worth. That's right. And you are a good mom, dad, mm-hmm. grandparent, caregiver, and your kid is rad. And right. hopefully this conversation is helpful. Mm-hmm. I think it will. I think it is. I think it will be. I, I already listened to it. And mm-hmm. bought the book, which I'm Get halfway it, through. I'm holding it up, everybody. Oh, that's cute. So, and and here I am. I have a six year old, and we're still working on it. We've been working yes. on it for three years, and I haven't been I haven't been lazy. Yeah. I haven't been uh, like given up. We're just right. going at a pace that is different, yeah. and we're gonna get there. Yes, and and you know, for sweet Ace. He's got a dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we've come to know that there's like more than just 
that going like down yeah. syndrome going yeah. on. So I feel like that has to be said too, right? For the mama. Absolutely. It's right out there. Yes, for sure. I have a listener's review that I want to share before we jump into our interview. So here we go. <laughs> Emmy and 15 says, I'm always looking for content and media to consume that helps me create a more inclusive world. I'm not a parent of a child with Down syndrome, but I have gained so much benefit and knowledge from this podcast. The hosts are fun and the guests are interesting and engaging. I'm a children's librarian who also babysits, teaches and at children's church and runs a special Olympics young athletes group. This podcast has made me better at my job and areas in which I volunteer. Thanks for all your hard work. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. Emmy, Emmy, Ann. Emmy, Ann. I want to hire you. Where do you I live? Know. Yeah. Where do you come come be in my community. Come on the team, right? Emmy, Ann. I know. I love all that you do. And thank you for listening. And I guess I want to say a special thank you for wanting to be a part of this community. Yeah. That's really special. Okay, friends. So don't forget to review the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so we can read it out loud next week. We love reading these and appreciate your support so much. Thank you, friends. Thanks for that. All right, you guys, without further ado, my conversation about potty training with Dr. Lena Patel. I am so excited to reintroduce Dr. Lena Patel, the co-author of Potty Training for Kids with Down Syndrome, Lose the Diaper, Not Your Patients. I have to admit, I didn't have this book uh, with me when I potty trained Mason, and I think I could have benefited greatly from it. So last week she was with us and she discussed all things social stories. I'm so thankful for that conversation. Today, she's going to be discussing all things potty training. Dr. Patel, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Okay. So remind our listeners um, who you are, what you do, where you're at. Um, that's a great question. I actually <laughs> wear a lot of different hats. So I'll share with you a little bit about kind of where I have my hands in a few different things. So I am a psychologist that works at Children's Hospital Colorado um, for the Down Center Behavioral Health Collaborative. So it's a virtual clinic that provides um support for families and individuals with Down syndrome for things like behaviors, potty training, um, wearing medical equipment, um, really anything that has to do with helping enrich the lives of the, you know, loved ones with Down syndrome. So um, that's my clinical piece. And then I actually work at the Linda Cernick Institute for Down syndrome, which is on the same campus, um, doing uh, research and really looking at how we can create better measures for looking at things like executive function skills or, you know, measuring like the, the skills that our kids have um, with more accuracy than the measures that exist at this time. Um, I'm fortunate that right now I'm actually consulting with Global Down Syndrome Foundation on a computer class for young adults with Down syndrome and um, really helping them to kind of develop the curriculum and modify the curriculum and then um, trying to do a little bit of research related to the class too, to be able to measure the benefits. So I really am very excited that I get to kind of work in a lot of different um, ways, all things Down syndrome. I love that. That's so great. How did you get started with that? So with, um, with Down syndrome specifically? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. My background is actually working with kids with autism and other neurodevelopmental um, presentations. And um, probably about nine years ago now, I there was a opening for a job in the C-Center for Down Syndrome at Children's Hospital Colorado, and someone encouraged me to apply. And prior to that, I actually had not um, worked with, a, you know, directly um, with a person with Down Syndrome. And so I was kind of a little bit unsure about whether this was a good fit for me, but I ended up getting the job and I fell in love with it. And nine years later, I've worked with over 700 individuals with Down syndrome from between the ages of birth and 25. And I honestly can't imagine working with a different population at this point. So, yeah. I like that. We, I would agree that pe- people with Down syndrome are the best to work with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of all the humans in the world. It. I choose people. I love it. it. It's great. All right. So before, before you came on, the girls and I were talking about potty training our kids. I, and I shared that, um, when we, I have two kids with Down syndrome, my oldest Mason is now 13 and my youngest son is seven and Macy, we started potty training her at exactly around three and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And we did, I just call it cold Turkey. I read the book potty training in a day, knowing it wouldn't be a day, but that, that idea of we are spending this weekend in Mm -hmm. undies, getting the concept down, all these things. And I feel like I know PTSD is a real strong thing, but I really feel like I had that. Um, it was at least eight months before something clicked in her mind. We were well into eight months and and I felt traumatized. So when we, and all of our kids are adopted. So when we found out we were going to bring our, that we had an opportunity to adopt another child with down syndrome, the -hmm. first thing I said to my husband was, I will not potty train this child. So that is my only reason to not adopt another child with down syndrome is potty training. I am so traumatized by potty training. So yeah, I think it's a shared sentiment. I know a lot of families who, um, by the time they've come to meet with me have tried a number of different things, including, um, you know, underwear and, you know, the weekend warrior, as some people call it, where they hang out in the bathroom for the whole mm-hmm. weekend. And really, by the time they've come to me, those things haven't worked effectively and families are pretty frustrated. So I absolutely appreciate that and think that that has to be a huge factor in whatever decision gets made about um, what method is used. Yeah. So what what are some things that make potty training different for a child with Down syndrome versus a child without? Yeah. So that's a great question. I, you know, the place that I really like to start is to say that we think of potty training as kind of one thing, right? Like we think of it as like, you know, one skill that we're actually teaching. But if you really think about what potty training entails, it's a lot of different, you know, smaller skill sets. It's being able to have the fine motor skills to be able to pull your pants up and down. It's being able to have self-awareness when your bladder's full and being able to recognize that you need to go. It's having the language skills to communicate mm-hmm. you need to go if you don't have some of those other skills to be able to independently go to the bathroom. It's having the executive function, like kind of uh, attention span skills that are required in order to be able to sit for a period of time. Um, it requires the cognitive skills to be able to understand what someone's asking you to do. So when we really, really break down toilet training, it's all these different steps and different pieces that make up this thing that we look at as just one piece. And I think that that for kids with Down syndrome, that's why toilet training feels so much more difficult because we're kind of like, we're doing this schedule, we're doing this routine. Why aren't you just getting it? Mm. And the reality is, is it takes our kids longer to kind of incorporate into their brains like an understanding 
what we're actually asking them to do, why it's beneficial, what the motivation should be. So I just named another factor that's huge for kids with Down syndrome, which is, you know, I might be really, really motivated for independence, but independence related to my own uh, motivators, right? And so if I also don't understand what the benefit of toilet training is, you know, long-term, like the social impact, the independence, all of those things, you know, what's the point of doing it, right? Um, For a lot of our kids, they're so in the moment and so beautifully connected to what they're doing right at that time that to think about leaving that and Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom feels like, why? I've been, you know, I have this whole tool, right? I have a diaper or pull-up that works just as effectively. And so that can absolutely be a factor too. Um, The other thing related to that is developing a routine. We know that kids with Down syndrome do an amazing job developing routines. However, in the toilet training world, if you're going pee and poo in your diaper or pull-up for, you know, said number of years, that's become your routine. So trying to shift to that routine and make it something different can be really difficult. So I I think that it's just important to kind of consider all those factors. Um, I, you know, in the book, we kind of lay it out in three different kind of categories. So um, we think about the medical aspects um, that make body training more difficult for kids with Down syndrome. So we think about things like constipation and um, we think about like physical structure. And so being able to kind of reach um, and sit and all those things. We think about tone and, you know, being able to confidently sit on a toilet. So while we don't think about all of those components in the context of toilet training, they absolutely impact not whether or not our children can become toilet trained, but more so why it feels harder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we already kind of talked about like the, the second category that I think about, which is behavioral and executive function, that attention span piece, that motivation piece. And then that last category of cognition, we think about language skills, we think of comprehension, all of those things. So again, not to you know belabor the point, but I think that all of those pieces are you know, things that we kind of have to be creative in coming up with solutions for in order to really effectively toilet train our kids. Um, and that's what makes it much more difficult. Does hypertonia play into that and low muscle tone or, or no? Yep. So, like hypertone- in- yep. okay. so low tone. Um, mm-hmm. And usually where we see that impacting kids is, you know, in, in my opinion, is um, being able to sit, you know, with confidence on the toilet and then being able to actually like push to go mm-hmm. poop, for example, mm-hmm. um, and like awareness, right? So if you have lower tone, you may not, it's not necessarily muscle strength. It's just kind of that sense of awareness in your body around, um, you know, is my bladder full and can I yeah. hold that um, long enough to make it to the bathroom? So absolutely, that's a factor that impacts um, toileting. Yeah. And the routine thing is so interesting because with, with our daughter, Macy, we did that cold Turkey thing. Like we did the weekend thing, which turned into eight months. And, um, we, but I kept her in pull-ups at night. I was like, I just, I need to sleep. And I'm yeah. not, you know, like there is a moment of nope, put a pull-up back on her when she sleeps. And then it got to the point where I'm like, I feel like this is a habit. Cause if I put a pull-up on her in the middle of the day, she would just pee in it. So I was Absolutely. like, how do we, so she never was dry in at night. And I, but it seemed more habitual, right? Yes. Like a routine yes. than it was. Yeah. Like she can't hold it at night. She's just going to pee a hundred times, a hundred percent of the time in a pull-up. So then that yeah, felt tricky. And, like, what do we do? You know? Yeah. And what's interesting is, is that for, you know, 
mentioning, you mentioned the PTSD piece. And one of the questions families ask me first and foremost is, um, do I put them in underwear? Hmm. And I always say, don't do that right off the bat. And a big reason is, is because if, if it's a tone issue or if it's a, you know, motivational issue or whatever, I find in my experience that kids will pee and poop in their underwear just as easily if, as if they're wearing pull-ups. And if you think about the, you know, the reason why that was a strategy for, you know, kids who don't have Down syndrome, what, where that came from was, oh, they'll feel it. They'll go, oh my gosh, I need to go run to the bathroom. And that will be the motivator. And they'll kind of get out of that habitual piece of, oh, I can go in my pull up instead of in my underwear. But in my experience, and from what I've even heard families say to me is that it, it doesn't really make a huge difference. So for, from a sanity standpoint, <laughs> I always tell caregivers to wait until you've had like two or three weeks of really solid dryness during the day um, where, and, and it could be that it's just because you're prompting and the person's going to the bathroom when you prompt them, but wait until that point in time before you put them in underwear. Otherwise for families, it's just, it's really hard. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard. And this, you know, there's some research um, that we're working on kind of mulling through right now related to toilet training that's really showing that whereas for typical kids, you know, six to eight months is the time frame for toilet training um, mm-hmm. th- from a duration standpoint. For kids with Down syndrome, it's much longer. And if we're thinking about that, then from a long run standpoint, we need caregivers to be able to sustain that without being like, I quit, I give up, I can't do this. This feels too hard, you know? That's such helpful information. I, cause I think even I have a daughter, a neurotypical able-bodied daughter as well. And, um, there was this idea that once they're ready and I use air quotes over ready, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that too. It'll happen quickly. So that, that for typical kids that it's a six to eight, it can be a six to eight month process. I don't feel like I ever hear that. And that normalizes in like all these things that feel stressful and to know it'll take longer. I think I just needed someone when I was potty training to say to me, oh, this, this is going to take a year or two, even it's okay. You know, like get ready. Here's the tools that you need. But I've had this pressure of in a weekend, in a week, in a month, like we should be done, you know? And I'm, I'm really glad you said that. I know a lot of our listeners have little, little kids kind of along those lines. What would be, I know you've written a whole book and there's like people see you for, for sessions on this or for appointments, but what are like those nuggets of advice that you would give a parent listening right now, who is just in the either starting potty training or like in the throngs of the misery that it can cause if you don't have the right tools or understanding. So the first thing I would say is that I would refrain from doing this whole waiting until a person demonstrates readiness skills, because what we really find is, is that those things are not going to be predictive or helpful in kind of the long run pieces where I was saying like there's different components. So because our kids have a lot of those challenges that I mentioned in the medical, you know, behavioral and cognitive um, language area. Um, if we waited until they developed all of those readiness skills, we would be toilet training kids when they were like eight, nine, 10. Right. And if we wait that long, then that other problem that I mentioned around, you know, um, having this habitual idea of, I just go in my pull-up and then I move on, right? That that becomes even more ingrained. And so what I always tell families is let's assess what are the skills that your child already has. 
Like, are they really good at following first then directives where we say first go potty and then we'll have our snack or first go potty and then we can play. If they're already really good at understanding those, um, you know, those directions in that way, start just taking them at, inter, you know, at random points in time during the day and, and make it so that it fits your, your lifestyle too, right? So normally, like once kids are, you know, toilet trained more fully, we still prompt them like, hey, we're going to leave, right? Go potty before we go get in the car or right when we get to a location or when we get home. So start there. Don't feel like you have to like from day one have this like really, really rigid, strict plan. Because the reality is, is our kids' developmental skills related to milestones are going to keep developing. Mm-hmm. But we can't, it's kind of unfair to say, hey, let me speed up your development of those milestones so that I can toilet train you all at once versus saying, well, this is a milestone that my kiddo already has. Let's focus on that related to toilet training. So some kids, you know, some parents will just have, you know, take their kids at intervals of time to sit on the toilet. The the point is not whether or not I release and pee in the toilet or poop in the toilet. The point is, let me get you into a routine where you understand that this is just what we're doing. We go sit on the toilet, we sit for maybe two minutes, and then we get up and we go. Um, You're working on the skill of attention span. You're working on changing the routine. You're working on all these things that you may not even necessarily be thinking that you're working on. So I think working on steps of toilet training is the best approach, Um, especially knowing that toileting is going to take, you know, a year plus um, for individuals with Down syndrome. So I think that that would probably be the biggest thing that I would say is, you know, um, thinking about what steps you can already start doing related to the skills that your child has. So in regards to, um, in regards to readiness and you're, we're, I, we're agreeing, I would agree. My advice to parents is like, there, you can't wait till your kid's ready. I've always, and I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I only know what I know from my experience, but anytime new moms come to me or moms who are ready to potty train or caregivers, I'm always yeah. like, don't wait. You can't wait till they're ready. But is there an age that you do suggest or a phase in life, maybe that you suggest? That's really a difficult question because I feel like there's so many factors to take into consideration. Um, while you know medical factors may not directly impact toilet training, um, if you're having a surgical procedure, that's not when you should be working mm-hmm. on toilet training. So usually, what I tell families is not necessarily when should you start toilet training. I usually say when should you not start toilet training. So it's not when you're taking a major vacation and you're going to be like, you know, away and in kind of a different routine that's going to make it difficult to kind of stop and go. Um, I would say no major medical issues going on. Um, and that doesn't mean like somebody who has kind of a, um, a heart condition that's stable. That's not what I mean. I mean, like you're having major surgery or, you know, developing, you know, or you're having to address that um, more immediately. But otherwise, you know, I say, you know, it's really dependent on what like skills your kiddo is showing. So, you know, if they have the physical ability to hold themselves in a seated position without support, I feel like then it's totally fine to sit them on a toilet for a minute, right? Like that's not uh, too terrible of a, a of a task to to do. And what I always say is, is like, don't make it forced either, right? So if it's like your child's attention span is not able to, you know, they're not able to sit for a minute, then do what you know is there they'll be successful with, right? So start with 30 seconds or whatever it is, or whatever, you know, 
letting the child lead how long they sit. But, you know, I think you definitely have to have the physical ability to sit on a toilet um, in order to, to start toilet training. And I say, the sooner you start, the more you're going to create a new routine around it. Um, but again, knowing that your personal expectations should not be when you start, that they're going to sit on the toilet, pee and poop in the toilet, wipe themselves, wash their hands, pull up their clothes, change if they have an accident and leave the bathroom, right? If you have that as your expectation, then I can't help you. <laughs> but if your expectation is, hey, we are totally rocking this, like going to the bathroom and sitting for whatever amount of time and then leaving and cheering and celebrating the fact that we did it, right on. You can start pretty early um, if you have the physical means to sit. I feel like some parents are listening and they just felt so relieved. <laughs> I hope right? So. Like, I hope okay, so. Okay, we're just going to keep doing that. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? So people who don't have access to a, a pediatrician who has specific training with children with Down or an emphasis with children with Down syndrome, or they don't have access to a Down syndrome clinic, um, are there specific therapists that are more helpful to, to try to bring into potty training? Yeah, I usually would say that psychologists like myself or um, are really helpful from the standpoint of like the behavioral components okay. and the understanding of development. So being able to kind of gauge like what are the developmental skills that your child has. All right, let's go, you know, from that standpoint. A lot of people work with um, applied behavioral analysis um, folks, so BCBAs or uh, behavioral specialists. And I think that they have the capability of doing a really great job with toilet training, as long as the approach is still what I'm describing to you. Um, I find that there are these factors that we've talked about that impact toilet training. And if you have someone who doesn't understand those things, it can feel like a more forceful approach, which to me is just not healthy. Um, at the end of the day, I don't want any kid to have a negative relationship with the bathroom or having to go. I honestly want them to think of it as just something I got to do. And then I move on with my life. Right. And so sometimes you just have to be careful with behavioral um, specialists on what their approach is. Um, and then the one other, you know, person that I would say I work quite often with is occupational therapists. So being able to learn like those subcomponents of toilet training, whether it's like dressing and undressing, whether it's wiping, those, you know, activities of daily living skills that um, really make a difference when it comes to toilet training. Um, any other resources? Like, for example, I, with Macy, um, we found huge success in a doll that pees mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, a potty chair on the ground. We started, I didn't yep. want a potty chair on the ground. So we started with a seat on the toilet. Yep. And after about however long of feeling frustrated, I, I read some other stuff. And so we got a potty seat on the ground and a doll that peed and did that whole thing. Yep. I found that really helpful. Are there any other like resources or tools, yeah. like little things like that, that you, and tricks that you have, you can tell parents yeah. about? Yeah, definitely. And there's, um, you know, one thing I would say is, is obviously we have limited time, so I wouldn't be able to go through all right. of the things, um, but the book really, we tried to make it so user-friendly that you could flip to the chapter that was like proactive strategies, right? To be able to then identify some of those things. But some of the things that I always think are super duper helpful is modeling. So you used adult keys, um, but really kind of got to get up close and personal and let your kids watch a pee yeah. <laughs> so they know what the point of it is or the purpose is. 
Siblings are great models for that. And honestly, a great motivator to get kids to even just walk to the bathroom and sit, even if they don't produce anything. So I always say modeling is a great um, tool that I would say can can be in all shapes and forms. Um, there's uh, in the back of the book, um, and I can send you guys some of this too, to share with your audience, but we have like resources on videos that and books that are about toilet training that kind of make it more fun and can be related to um, topics, you know, or to subjects that kids are motivated by, like Elmo, for example. Um, so I would say that those are, are important pieces. Um, visual timers, I use a ton to let kids know how long they have to sit. And it's very clear cut. It helps to take something really abstract, like the concept of time and make it concrete. So our kids understand what the expectation is, how long they have to do it, and then when they can be done with that expectation. Um, a lot of the strategies that I think about are really related to comprehension. So even using a visual schedule to make it predictable and help kids to know when exactly they're going to have to meet that demand. And then maybe right afterwards, they get to play or do something that's more enjoyable. So I feel like a lot of the strategies that I feel like are important from the beginning are things that are related to helping kids understand what it is that we're asking them to do. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. Um, we do have to wrap it up, but I, what I will tell our listeners, I hope that everybody will get the book and we'll have links in our show notes to where to get all that, but where else can listeners find more about you? Where can they buy the book and, and hear more about this or learn yeah. more about all this online? So um, for the book, Woodbine House Public Publishing, their website is the best place. It's W-O-O-D-B-H-I-N-E um, Publishing. And so they have um, the book available there. And um, with regard to me, <laughs> you know, I, it's funny that, that I, you know, knew that you were going to ask me that question. And I was like, I've done a ton of talks, um, you know, for NDSC, for Global Down Syndrome Foundation. I really try to share information as much as possible. So as like cliche as it sounds, I would say Googling my name, Lena Patel, um, psychologist, you could do Denver. Um, but there's lots and lots of like my PowerPoints. There's like, um, you know, uh, like, uh, workshops or things that um, recordings that you can watch related to things like behavior or toilet training or wearing medical equipment. Um, so I would say that those are probably the best places to to find me. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, everybody go do a, a, a Google search. And the book is called Potty Training for Kids with Down Syndrome, Lose the Diapers, Not Your Patients. And this is Lena Patel. And we are going to have, again, links to all these things in our show notes at the lucky few podcast.com. Okay. Before we end our conversation here, anything else, anything we missed, anything you want to No, I mean, I think the one thing that I would say specific to toilet training is it is a long process. Be patient with your children, be patient with yourself, celebrate the successes, celebrate, celebrate, like even the little baby steps that are, you know, moving in the right direction because, um, you know, it is, a, it is, it's possible, right? It's not um, something that is impossible and it helps our kids have, you know, more independent, um, you know, happy lives. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your expertise in this area and for being so generous with your time and your knowledge and resources. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you.
All right, friends. So we touched on a lot in our intro before the interview. (laughs) (laughs) What What are some takeaways that you had? I mean, Micah got the book. She was very impressed by yes what she learned from dr patel yes oh as always when i learn things later i could have done it better <laughs> i've already done it's already been mm-hmm. done so but now i can use these tactics with my sweet brave who doesn't exactly. have down syndrome but still like i mean it's it crosses over right yeah, it's totally. all about my attitude mindset relationship with my child the goal mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure. Yeah. I think that there were so many things I took from the interview and also that I've taken from her book, but I think for me thinking about ACE in terms of his dual diagnosis, Mm -hmm. I can sort of get like the feedback I'm getting from school because he is in a autism centered, um, classroom is a lot of kind of ABA ideas around potty training. Mm -hmm. And I do think that my job is to take the things that they're saying to me and combine them with what I know about down syndrome, because there are two different factors going on. And the people at school don't necessarily have my actually like, let's just say it expertise exactly, (laughs) girl on down syndrome. And so, um, you know, I was thinking about like what they've been doing and, um, and just how I need to, as much as I can give them a schedule, as much as I can like have a plan at home that I can give to the school to replicate, that is really helpful. One of the things that I came to after listening to this was just like, you know, there's just things I can do at home that we're, we're still kind of stuck three years ago mm-hmm. and things that can kind of like help us come to, I have a six-year-old, he's still a tiny little thing, but it's time for him to have a little more independence. You know, he's been sitting on these tiny baby potties, um, Mm -hmm. because that's what worked for him when he was three. And he's, and so, uh, Chris and I bought those toilets that have the, the little baby lid, the toddler size lid on it too. the toilet seats. We got two of those for the bathrooms and just to like, I, I was like, I just need to commit, like right. we're going to get quality stuff. Yeah. I bought some wooden, nice benches for him yeah. to step up, up on. So it's consistent and it feels mm-hmm. steady. Yeah. So he one. feels comfortable. Yeah. I just think those kinds of things I've been like trying to overcome that, like, mm-hmm. oh, this rickety little Plastic. step stool or what. Yeah. yeah. And like, I want him to get as much independence as possible. And that was something that I took from this. Like, I just need to make steps to make sure that he is independent as we're working on these things. Yeah. That was, um, a game changer for us to Micah, the changing the toilet seats to have the little toilet lid too in it. And, um, then like, yeah, a wooden step stool, because I figured out that for Sunny, she had to like trust the things that she was stepping onto. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't like high stools because they make her feel unstable, you know, and that was a game changer for us. Um, when we did, and those were, they're kind of nice lids. They're really stiff and sturdy and great. Um, I forget what they're called. What do they call Micah? So our listeners can look into them. Just, I I think I just searched on Amazon, like built-in toddler seat built in to, but 
yeah. And you can find them on Amazon. There's several different brands. And for me, it was just like accepting. I think I'm always sort of like, these kids are going to grow past this, blah, blah. And, and then my to be day, like, we never have both. <laughs> my kids are potty trained at six months old. Yeah. That's right, Mima. <laughs> yeah. Bring it full circle. <laughs> but yeah, I think I had to accept like, Ace is 36 pounds and six years old. He's just a tiny guy. His little yeah. butt's probably going to be falling through the seat for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. I can accept that. And let's right. put the actual seats into yes. our toilet lid. Yes. You know? Yes. Totally. Yeah. We, we had the same thing. I was with Macy. I was so adamant that I was not going to use a small potty on the floor because mm-hmm. I was like, gross. I don't want to do that. I want them yeah. on the potty. And Dr. Battelle talked about like, one of the things is low muscle tone. Yeah. does your kid yeah. feel secure sitting on the toilet yeah. seat? Right. And I never even thought about that. Like, obviously <laughs> that's going to play a part in it. Yeah. And everything changed for Macy when we put her on the small potty on the floor yeah. for when she was littler, um, it, it was a game changer for her. And the other thing that, that Dr. Battelle talked about was how it's, did she say it was two years for people with down syndrome, like mm-hmm. expect potty training to be a two year thing. Process. So good. I needed someone to tell me that like, yeah. I, cause Same. I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, bummer, but we got this, you know? Right. Like, and, and then, then maybe six- if it's shorter, then it's like yeah. joy. Great. Awesome. But yeah. just that two year grace in your head. Totally. Yeah. So that six months in, I'm not like feeling like a failure because yes. the, the Mima's over here, <laughs> we love you, Mima. Elimination like, constipation. <laughs> The memes of the Down syndrome community who are like, my kid was potty trained at one and a half at 18 months at two. Like, are you sure? I want to see video. Prove it. (laughs) Prove it, girl. You know, it's totally inappropriate to videotape your child on the toilet, but let's just see. I just want to see what you're saying in real time. (laughs) That's so good. Oh gosh. Well, I hope that this um, episode was really helpful for our listeners Cause I know we've got a lot of y'all who are in the and heart of it or will yep. be soon. Yeah. yeah I and I do that- recommend the book, everybody yeah. I'm yes. reading it and it really is wonderful. So we'll link to that in our Good. notes. Awesome. And let's try to link to the Amazon link. Yeah. Micah, maybe you can the- see okay. looking at your yeah. Amazon history. Yeah. I'll All right. It. Valerie, we'll do that. Right. Val. Thanks. Thanks for that. Val. <laughs> Val's everything. <laughs> Val's everything. We need to do a whole episode with just Val. I'm let's Val. do it. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, this has been a great conversation and we're going to be take a little break here from a sponsor and then back with some good news. Friends, it is Down Syndrome Awareness Month. There are so many wonderful things to be celebrating this month, including my book, Different, A Great Thing to Be, now available as an audiobook read by the one and only actress, Lily Moore, who happens to have Down Syndrome. Here's a little clip. Scoot closer in and sit next to me while I tell you the story of my friend Maisie. She can swim underwater, balance on logs. She can whistle, almost. She has a pet dog. She reads books and jumps high like kangaroos do. She takes hip hop class and prefers to wear blue. She's a fun-loving kid, much like you and me, but she's also quite different. A great thing to be. We're so grateful to have Lily partner with us on this project. If you're interested in buying the audiobook, you can head over to theluckyfew.com slash different, 
or anywhere audiobooks are sold. All right, we're back, and it is time for some good news. Truly, take it away. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Micah, we need to have a hard talk, a real conversation here. Do you feel like you would like to start singing us in again? Because I want you to have that if that's what you want. Oh, girl. I, I, I love hearing Truly's voice <laughs> and think of all of the, the, all the husbands out there who can't stand this to listen to us husband. because of this, my singing. Oh my gosh. That's too good. <laughs> okay. Well, we may have to mix things up again, but okay. it is time for some good news. I have some good news friends. That was very relevant as in yesterday. Um, let me preface it by saying the day before my husband and I may or may not have been in our kitchen crying tears of frustration and grief over how hard things have been. But yesterday, Mason and August slated at school. When I picked Augie up, I said, how was your day? He said it was a good day. And his aide said it was a very good day. Oh, so I will I take it. Yeah, I will take it. He followed his one, two, threes and Oh, didn't yay. kick a kid. He kicked a kid down the slide the day before. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't talk it's, to not about funny. It. it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny, <laughs> but I do also want to laugh because then he's like, I said, honey, cause it was in a note. I'm just going to tell the story real quick. It was in a note and he, and then he's home and I read the note. I said, buddy, did anything happen at school? You need to tell me about like at recess on the slide. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I did a really bad thing. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I know because I did a really bad thing and it wasn't kind and I need to be kind and I can't kick people. And then he got sent to the principal's office. Oh. I just laugh because it's like a little bit, their like, little life. And like, <laughs> I do, I do think it's funny. You did. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and I said, sorry. And it was a bad thing. I'm not going to do that bad thing. They're like, when did you, why did you do that? And cause the kid wouldn't go down the slide. I'm like, okay. We don't kick people and also go down the slide, kid, or scoot out of the way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Says the mom whose kid kicked the other kid. <laughs> Where's the yard duty? Get the kid down the slide. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Don't ever kick someone on the slide. So yes, very a very good day. We'll take it. Does anyone else have some good news? Good news. Sunflower. She has been reading really well, you guys. Speaking of moms who brag. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> my kid reads. No, but she does. So I'm really proud of her. <laughs> you know, like we do. I feel like she's so comfortable and reads her Terry Brown books that we print out. And so, and I know that it's repetition and that she gets it. But when we put a book in her hands, that's like a not a Terry Brown book or a Bob book, because she's also really good at the Bob books. It just like brings me like so much joy to see her recognizing those words in a book that's like from the library or like, you know, just from our bookshelf. And she's come, she's coming a long ways with her speech and reading. So I don't know. I love that. It's exciting. That is exciting. Good news, Sunny. We also have good news from a listener and this is from my extraordinary life. And they say good news. First of all, their child's name is Micah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Micah started ukulele lessons and oh he my. rocked his first lesson. We're so excited to see what unfolds and what music he will bless us all with in the future. 
So Micah, congratulations on being a ukulele phenom. So good. I love seeing when our kids find the thing that they love and then they put themselves in it. That's great. And we love Uh, this mama. Yes. She's a faithful listener. Good job, Micah. Good job, Micah. We love you. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us and for your good news. As always, we want to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail or a DM on Instagram. Share about your family and your good news about your level with Down syndrome. And as always, if you have a product or business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we would love to partner with you. Email hello with the lucky few podcast.com for all sponsorship opportunities. Thank you to Josh Avis, our editor, Val Schleter, our producer, our sponsor, and all of you listeners who have shared the lucky few podcast with friends and who listen faithfully and cheer us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And remember you dear listeners supporting your loved one with down syndrome, whether they are potty trained or not. Right. You are a shadow of worth. Your kid is incredible. You are all narrative shifters. Keep on keeping on. We're cheering for you. Can't wait to be together on the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.